turn your Bibles with me to the Gospel of John. I'm going to read chapter 8, verses 42 to 59 to the end of the chapter here in a moment. And uh, kind of we're picking up right in the middle of an argument that uh, Jesus has been having a discussion with these uh, Jewish disciples who are just blind to the depths of their need for, for Jesus. And so at the heart of the, the discussion that we're going to meditate on this morning is who is their father? Right? Do they really have God as father? If so, they would worship Jesus. Uh, and since they reject Jesus, Jesus is going to accuse them of, uh, well, the devil's their dad, their, their father. And so uh, basically we're, we're gonna, this morning we're going to meditate on why faith in the gospel is required for everybody. So let's, let's see how John confronts us and surprises us with the gospel in this hard but prepared text. This is God's word. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love him. For I came from God and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of your father the devil, and your will is to do your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning, and does not stand in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. The Jews answered him, Are we not right in saying that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? Jesus answered, I do not have a demon, but I honor my father, and you dishonor me. Yet I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks it, and he is the judge. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, Jews said to him, now that we know that you have a demon, Abraham died as did the prophets, yet you say if anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham who died and the prophets died? Who do you make yourself out to be? Jesus answered, if I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my father who glorifies me of whom you say he is our God, but you have not known him. I know him. If I were to say to you that I do not know him, I would be a liar like you, but I do not know him and am persuaded. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. So the Jews said to him, You are not yet 50 years old, and have you seen Abraham? And Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, picked up stones to throw them, but Jesus hid himself and went away. This is God's word. His word is spoken to us today in love, and his word is true and trustworthy. Let's pray together. Our Father and our God, we're going to meditate on some hard truths this morning. And so I pray that you would, in the midst of these hard truths, help us see Jesus. Help us to see the bright beauty of your face. 
us to see the wonder that our liberator, Christ Jesus himself, came from the pit of his stomach for our joy, that we might join in the wonder of being adopted and made one with him. So may your spirit help us to hear your voice and to see, see the truth and to see Christ in us. So we're in a, a long narrative in chapter 8 um, and chapter 9 where Jesus has said, I am the light of the world. And, and as part of being the light of the world, one of the things he's shining a bright light on is um, the self-righteousness of his enemies, of the Pharisees, and really of the, the human race, of course. Um, and so what we're going to look at this morning, uh, in part, is as we meditate on what it means to have God as Father and what it means to have uh, the devil as your father, um, really we're looking at the anatomy of unbelief. Why is it so hard the gospel, to believe that God is for me, and why is it so easy to judge others? <laughs> right, those two things are hand in hand here in chapter 8 and in chapter 9, to the point where Jesus is going to use a blind man to teach them about the depth of their blindness to their own sin. So that, that'll be next the next couple of weeks. Um, so let's start this morning by looking underneath self-righteousness, underneath our pride, is an allegiance to the government. Jesus' teaching here is probably one of the most difficult teachings to get our minds wrapped around as modern Christians. Um, one, people are okay with you talking about God, but people in public are not okay with you talking about spiritual things. You're more comfortable with spiritual good than you are with spiritual bad. Um, but, but yet here we have Jesus saying he's real and he's having a, an impact on the belief level of the people he's talking to. And then Jesus also does something shocking here that we uh, do all the time, but we look down on others for doing it. <laughs> he divides humanity into tribes. He splits humanity in two. There are two families, God's family and Satan's family. Right? And so that's uncomfortable in of itself to categorize as people. And then you add the fact that we live in a polarized culture that if the assumption is that if you believe Jesus' teaching, then you other people until there's pride or differences, which is what we do all the time, uh, well, then you're going to judge the other people for being different. Right? It's going to be really easy to condemn and look down on others if you believe that they are treated similarly to other people. And so what I want to do by way of introduction as we meditate on this text, unless you believe what Jesus is telling the truth here, struggle to humanize and serve people who are who believe differently if you don't believe it <laughs> if you do believe it we have all the resources in the gospel to help us love our neighbor show compassion for uh, for people who are in bondage who are in slavery and, and even to be honest with them and so with that introduction let's see how this text So two questions of the text this morning. First is, what divides us? And the second will be, who divides us? And so what divides us? All right, what, what separates us? And 
we do this all the time. I mean, there's so many examples in pop culture uh, about the ways that we split humanity into different groups. Uh, and so the one I went with is from the 1960s. Some of you here will probably have heard this. Uh, it's from, from Tom Lehrer. Although in 1916, he's a musician and a, he, did, he did satire. He's a comedian. He had a twisted sense of humor. Um, and what comedians are really good at is taking clowns and shining a light on what's really going on. And so this thing called National Brotherhood Week was started. And right, and he wrote this song about the whole thing, about how the government's saying you should love one another. And as, as Tom says, as he introduces his song, in the shadow of the civil rights movement, Holocaust and anti-Semitism, um, he said, we all agree that we should love our fellow neighbor, and there are people in the world who do not love their fellow neighbor, and who should? <laughs> and then he sings this little ditty, which I emailed to you, if you, I don't know if you had a chance to check it out, but the lyrics go like this, all the white folks hate the black folks, all the black folks hate the white folks, but hate all but the white folks, because they don't think they should hate them. But during National Brotherhood Week, during National Brotherhood Week, uh, Lena Horne and Cheryl Clark have been trying to do some work for us as just like two dumb Republicans here this morning. <laughs> it's fun to eulogize the people you despise, but not long will it stand in praise uh, of those people. And he talks about the poor folks hating the rich folks, the rich folks hating the poor folks. All my folks hate all your folks, but my folks hate all your folks. And then he has a little ditty about religion. The Protestants hate the Catholics. The Catholics hate the Protestants. And the Hindus hate the Muslims. And the Hindus are kind of stupid. Um, it doesn't take much imagination to see this still ongoing relevance for us today. <laughs> right? And so, that's just, this is the world we live in. Just study human history. Ever since Cain and Abel, we have been splitting in two. So if you listen to Jesus' teaching, the context here is that these Jewish disciples are saying, hey, we're the children of Abraham. We have Abraham as our father, and by extension, God is our father. We are free. Sin isn't that big of a deal. We, we can't be slaves. And Jesus is shining a light to say, no, you, you are a slave to sin and even a slave to your father, the devil, who is hell. And ironically, full of self-righteousness, Rather than while claiming to be the children of Abraham, they're ready to kill the Lord of Abraham and his heavenly father. And so the insult that Jesus throws at them that we need to meditate on is that, hey, the reason you don't believe, the reason you aren't hearing God's word, the reason you are against me, the reason you're so violent is because you're, you're children of the devil. Of course, they get mad, and they say, well, you're a Samaritan, you have a demon. Of course you have a demon. And Jesus responds, no, your father's the devil. That you can, this is the heart of his teaching this morning, is that you can split humanity into two families, the family of God and the family of evil. There's only two kinds of people, only two races, two families. Uh, and Tim Keller was clever with this. Someone would come up to him when he was in uh, rural Virginia. Do you believe in interracial marriage? And he would say, um, of course not. Why would I believe in that? And, and he said, because of course you know there's only two races, Christians and non-Christians. And so they flipped the, flipped the switch on him. Of course two Christians can get married. It doesn't matter what race you are. Right? 
but it's, that's the teaching. There's only two families. There are those who hear God's voice, those who have Jesus as their elder brother, who believe his words, who, who hear his voice. They, they're able and want to love their brother. That's how John will apply this in his letter in 1 John. And there are those who have the devil as their father, who don't hear God's word, they don't obey, and they willingly, whether they're aware of it or not, participate in what, they just do whatever Satan wants them to do. Not tell the truth, and, and harm life, murder. Right? And so that's, that's verse 34, 42, if God were your father, Jesus says you would love him. And the same thing God's saying here. You're of your father the devil, and your will is your father do his desires. And so, we don't talk about this often, so I guess my question would be, is do you believe Jesus is coming back soon? Are you comfortable saying that um, the reason people don't believe the gospel is because of the influence, the very real power of the, the evil one, partnering with This is saying that the problem with the world, the problem with humanity, the problem with culture, it's not primarily social, it's not about who your earthly parents were, it's not about economics, it's not primarily political, but it's all about human will. It's about problems, it's a theological problem. And because we have a theological problem, a problem with God, we divide along all kinds of lines that give us the freedom, according to us, to judge and justify hating at least looking down on others. Right? So let's let's work out the, the teaching that Jesus is tapping into. This isn't just here. This is all the way through the Bible. Um, so look at verse 44, where Jesus says, You're of your father the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, and he does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So what Jesus likely is doing here, he's going all the way back to the beginning, to Genesis, when the serpent, the evil one, deceived Adam and Eve, persuaded them to rebel against God by their own desires, their own choice. They twisted the tr- he twisted the truth, and death entered into the world. And the result is the world in which we live. And, of course, in, in Genesis chapter 3, the immediate result is Adam and Eve no longer united. Right? Adam, God comes to Adam and says, what have you done? And Adam says, well, there are some extenuating circumstances. You see, it was her, not me. It was the woman you gave me. Right? You, you can see the seed of self-righteousness already. I'm not that bad, God. But extenuating circumstances were no less. The, the fallout of this whole thing, starting with the father of lies, twisting the truth, was death. This, this curse, this veil that falls on all people. And so that's why Jesus can say he was a murderer from the beginning. Because Satan, with lies, has effectively murdered all human beings. Right? They're 100% trustworthy. Sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, so death spread to all men because all sinned, originating with the person Adam. 
And so if you're tracing the story of Genesis, um, the story of the Bible, what happens from there is humanity is split in two. You have, um, in, the, in the immediate aftermath, what God does for Eve, it's, it's this amazing story of grace. She's, she's the one who was deceived and took the fruit and gave it to her husband, right? God turns to the serpent and says, she is mine. I'm going to put enmity between you, serpent, and the woman. Before she ever has a chance to apologize, she just, he just says, she is mine. It's amazing grace from God towards Eve, who chose to be parented by the devil. He says, you are you're my child. You blew it. I'm your mom. I'm going to use you for the redemption of mankind. Through your offspring, one of your children will rise up and crush the head of the serpent, even He's bruised by, uh, his heel is bruised by that serpent. And so Genesis 3.15, what it does, it sets up two, two families, right? There's going to be hatred, hostility between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. You shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. So there it is. It's right there in the beginning. Jesus, is, Jesus knows his Bible. It's just two families. The seed of the woman, God who have God as father, they call on the name of the Lord. Um, and then there's the seed of the serpent who participate in his desires simply by doing whatever they want, whatever their inclination is. And you see that worked out in Cain and Abel. Cain, overcome by jealousy and self-righteousness, kills his brother. And then the family of Cain, right, spreads and from, from Cain's family comes Lamech who moves from just killing his brother to just boasting that I'm going to kill anyone who insults me. And then the family of God follows uh, Seth's family line. You can see how that works out. And that the only thing they're known for is killing one another's children. And out of that mess, right, it's, this is the human family that God is designing the world around. And so even though I'm, I'm starting by saying, yeah, there's two distinct families, you read the Old Testament, those distinct lines get really blurry, right? Abraham is chosen out of the nations from the family of, of the serpent. And when you get to Jacob, Jacob is named after, he's, his whole name means heel grabber, which is very serpent-like. And everything Jacob does is, is slimy, deceitful, and shady, right? He has a, an unfaithful relationship with his brother. Right? He deceives his own father to get the inheritance and get the blessings. And yet Jacob is the father. He's a name thrown to Israel. He's the father of the nation of Israel. And so you're going to say, okay, who is the family of God in Jacob? He, has, he, has too, he calls on God, and yet he acts like the serpent, like he didn't know. Israel ends up doing the same thing, right? I mean, that's, that's what the Old Testament is all about, is looking at the, the incredible patience and grace of God calling Israel out of, out of darkness and into his light and their unwillingness to trust God as father because they, they too, are infected with unbelief and rebuke. Within the nation of Israel, you will still find the seed of, seed of Satan, not everybody believes. And so, bring us all the way back to John, where Jesus is, 
you would think that the Jewish Pharisees who love the Bible would understand uh, that not all true Israel is Israel. And that just because you're ethnically children of Abraham doesn't mean you're Jewish. But the disciples are correct. And so that is not it. And so this teaching really is that all of humanity has chosen by nature to be fathered by the evil one. It's easy to share to Jesus' enemies. It's much more humbling to realize that this is not the word of your system. This is who you were. And if you're not a Christian, this is who you are. Whether you're aware of it or not. Martin Luther put it this way, that human beings are born with a suspicion, an inborn suspicion that God is not good. Again, the Jewish Pharisees are correct. And the haunting part about belonging to Satan's family is we don't even know that we're doing it. Right? We're just doing what we want. We're just doing whatever feels good or whatever our parents say or whatever our culture says is good. And until you believe God's word that there is spiritual evil out there that's that's using you to wreak havoc in the world to reject God, this is this is a hard teaching. It's a really hard teaching. Right? It's not a great way to make friends and evangelize to say your dad is sin. Don't do that. <laughs> but it's so mundane because it's the whole human race that just infects all of our relationships and the way we live. It's like asking our parents what they're thinking. What are they going to say about this? How are they indifferent? Not even aware of the fact that we follow the prince of the power of the air by following the path of their friend, right? Or Paul's friend, Apollos. But that we were dead in our trespasses and sins. We were following the course of the world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit which at work is now at work among us, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of our body and mind, and were by nature children of wrath, Christianity is brutally, brutally honest. But what provides us is our unbelief. And that comes back to God, your choices and your choices. There are those who love being fathered by God who want to do his will and there are those who are fathered by Satan who want to do their own will and so if you're a Christian and you have been adopted out of Satan's family into God's family you've been brought out of the kingdom of darkness into the light teaching that's going to sugarcoat all of this but notice that it doesn't the fact that god chooses a really direct and excusable reason of being satanic or of being of having the, the the devil as your dad it doesn't mean jesus doesn't like and love you when you read the whole old testament it's the story of god's continual desire out of his own heart to have an underlying pleasure and do not test me with that or say, I'm going to show you mercy so that you can have good fathers in heaven. 
because you're right. And my beloved friend, you don't enjoy grass that grows. Right, so Hosea chapter 11 says, when Israel was a child, God says, I loved him. Out of Egypt, I brought him forth. The more they were blessed, the more they were blessed with blessing. And if you go a little bit further down, God, with great emotion, says, how can I get rid of you? How can I hand you over, O Israel? How can I make you, how can I punish you? How can I make you like Admath? How can I treat you like Zebulun? very guts, my heart recoils within me when I consider the sins of my people. Part of the message of the Bible is that God loves his people. God knows you well. He knows your heart. And while there's justice, there's also compassion. God has great mercy. And Jesus hints at it here because unless you believe in me, you will die in your sins. This is a measure of invitation given to his enemies that culminates in Jesus being crucified on a cross. He cries out, Father, forgive them, for they don't, do not know what they, they're doing. And he's talking about his enemies. And so there's still a context here. Unless we see great compassion and great mercy, there is a value to our lives and the ways that God wants to work in our lives. kinds of bad habits you're going to you're going to wake up but the reason Jesus was hung is because he was sinning exactly where Paul goes in Ephesians 2, that God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, God knew us right alongside the beginning. That even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace fathers long before the world so then if we Christians are children of our father in heaven you see how this speaks on us all of humanity is enslaved and is, is under the tyranny of the devil that says he's not with brutal honesty to people like this but we all know what it's like to be enslaved around desire willing to twist the truth and then get angry when people don't do what we ask and to make the most thing this 
something free to be convenient for us by getting angry when somebody doesn't do what I want, or we just forget the fact that's what our father wants. Our, our, our previous father even wanted us to go to heaven. And when they take their son back away from us, we get angry. But the end of the story is that Jesus comes back and he says, <laughs> if you're rejected and you're seeking me, family and his love was the love that he gave us for the knowing that he was willing to die for us so that we could have eternal life in him. Not only that, but he died for us in the foothills of the Himalayas. You know, no one tell me in the jungle that they weren't the way Jesus is treated here by, by the Pharisees. Why do they disagree with him? They immediately go to one, you, you clearly are here because of sexual immorality, right? Like they, they go immediately to moral judgment. Two, they call him a Samaritan and a demon. They, they immediately have a moralistic moralistic, right, is to pick a value other than the gospel and say, well, because I'm good and you're not, I get to stay in heaven. Well, what about the gospel? The gospel. The gospel teaches us that everyone is in the kingdom of heaven, that all people are equally necessary to God's kingdom and equally entitled to it. In fact, I'm pretty sure that was the hope they had going in. So you want to you wanna see what a city is like? to the words of 
the applications of this that will help us to better understand